Welcome back to the Win Daily Show. I got my man Lewis the Silver Jr. here. As you can see, this dude is working right now. He can't just do an interview sitting down on a couch like me. This dude is on his bike getting some calories burning while he's doing it. Louie, how you doing, brother? Hey, man. Uh, you know, it's unprecedented times, but we have to make the best of it. And um, uh, gyms are closed, so luckily I got a kick $98 bike, one of the last ones at Walmart, and it's uh, been my best friend for seven weeks now. Nice, man. Nice, man. I, I've always made the excuse that I got no time to work out, and right now I got time. And I still haven't been working out, man. I got I got a treadmill behind me. I should be hopping on the treadmill right now, running oh, while we're doing listen, this. But you're 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 busy with the podcast now, man. So uh, at least you're working out some way, some capacity. But I want to congratulate you on your uh, on your on your baby, your family, and uh, published author. Congratulations, brother. Welcome to the club. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. You've done it all, man. Like I want to just for for those who don't know, Lewis, we've met. We actually met at a Nick game. We were yes. chilling on, on DraftKings Dollar, and we I were think hanging they, uh, out I think in the suite. Kick that night too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, had a, we had a good time together, and um, we've been talking ever since, waiting to collab. And you're like, I, I would call you the master collaborator. Like, you've done so much. And I've asked – my first question I usually ask people on this podcast is, how, do you, how did you break into sports? But for you, it's a two-part question. You yep. work into the two toughest industries that I know yep. about, which is sports and the movie business. Yeah. So I know you're an athlete growing up. Tell them your story and how you converted from, you know, high school, college athlete to now mm. everything that you've done, man. Well, that's a, that's a very good – it's a two-part question. You're absolutely right. So, you know, growing up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, um, my, my father came to this country when he was six years old from Portugal. Um, my mom has Italian descent, so European back growing up in the 80s. You know, basketball was kind of it's more playing either baseball or soccer, right? Yep. Um, but I was inspired by, like us all, uh, you know, with Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls and grew up in a very, very uh, tough area in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where parks weren't in parks to play basketball. It was, a, you know, a congregation of negative environments that my mom just – you know, she was kind of sheltering us, me, my, my, my younger sister. It's only the two of us. Um, she's two years apart from me, younger. And I had a little four-by-eight backyard in a multifamily building. Um, we, you know, we rented an apartment. And the backyard was my basketball court. And obviously, you know, uh, I think for my birthday one year, probably like 11, 12 years old, uh, um, my parents bought me one of those huffy little basketball hoops. And, you know, trying to shoot a jump shot. In, in the size of a living room, you really can't get it in. So I just started to dribble. I knew I wasn't going to be the tallest kid. I already, it's funny now, like I, I look back and I'm like, man, at 11, 12 years old, I kind of anticipated I wasn't going to be no 6'5 guard. And I, I don't know what, what made me think about like the future in terms of how do I kind of develop to keep myself on the basketball court, right? So I was like, well, I'm going to have to learn how to dribble. I'm going to learn how to have to be faster. So obviously growing up, I was inspired by you know, I went to St. Peter, uh, Peter and Paul School, and um, upon graduation, I was going to go to St. Patrick's. But at that time, they had Shaheen Holloway. So if you remember, Shaheen Holloway in 2000 was like an all-American guard. Um, you know, went to, went to Seton Hall. This is even way before the, the Miles Powell times. Um, Should have got a shot in the league, but he was, he was the big deal um, in terms of a point guard. So 
you know, I, I, I went to St. Pat's, um, and, and it was the first time I was introduced with um, a conglomerate of different talent from different states, countries, forming together in the high school team. I've never, you know, went to small, small Catholic elementary school. So I wasn't, I didn't, my parents didn't have the money for the AAUs. The AAU dollars and the donation dollars wasn't like it is now. It was a completely different ballgame. Yep. If you really didn't have the invitation, you were left out, right? Yep. So, you know, you see players from the Ivory Coast. We had Sam Dallenberg, Al Harrington, uh, Circus, Jerome Holman, who played for Wichita, was on and one. I mean, this is all within four years of my high school career. So, Crazy. you know, leading into that, I, I started to get inspired by around the junior my and his sophomore junior year, this whole N one movement and Rafer Alston and that 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 TV series documentary Soul in the Hole with Booger Smith out in Brooklyn and then Above the Rim was my favorite movie and I was inspired by the New York culture and the hoops so yeah. I was like this is it I want to be a streetball player so we fast forward 2000 I graduate had a couple looks for schools I was always academically smart so it was helpful for me to try to get into college but um. During the 2000 summer, um, main event, Wally Dixon uh, from Linden, who played with Anne One at the time. This is when Anne One was at its pinnacle. I mean, Anne One and Streetball were more popular than NBA players at that time. Yeah. You know, the early 2000s, that yeah. was, Streetball was life. So he reached out to a buddy of mine and said, you know, there's an open call audition. And we know Lewis is really good out here with the dribbling and one of a kind. He should go to this open call audition. And I was like, well, who do I ask for? He just said, you know, um, tell him Rupert sent you, some guy named Rupert. And it's funny because I just did a podcast for Maine two weeks ago. And I, and I told him, I was like, I still today, almost 20 years later, never met this guy, Rupert. <laughs> so I get to the audition. Now, this gym, it's some gym in Manhattan. My dad took me. Now, I'm 18 years old, white kid, in a gymnasium full of streetball legends, Speedy Williams, NBA players, former NBA players. My palms are sweaty. What they did was they had an open call camera and a chair. And they called everybody by the number, come out and try to do some, some dribbling moves. I was the very last one to go on. So what happens? You start to not get nervous. I got a little bit more comfortable. And I think the, the song at the time was Jay-Z, one of his hits. This is, again, this is 2000, 2001. I did all, all you know, the stuff that I've been practicing for years in the backyard. All of a sudden, they said, Lewis, keep doing it. They replayed the music. I was there for probably five or six minutes. I turned around. The gym that everybody was leaving, grabbing their coats and leaving. This was like sometime in February. Pack came back in the gym. After that, they came up to my dad. Where's he from? Is he from Harlem? This they're like, no, we're just from New Jersey. They're like, you know, my dad's taking numbers. This is before like kind of a cell phone day. So yeah. he's gotten down numbers to keep. And he's like, all right, well, whatever it's worth. My dad's like. You know, I, he didn't know this group. Nobody knew what this was, gonna, this was going to, to, to be bigger than it was. And this whole campaign I found out later on was the, the introduction. This is showing my age now. The introduction of Nike basketball fucking domain. That's how old it was. Like, it was to introduce the NikeBasketball.com. So this Nike freestyle, they already had a vision. They were going to put a lot of money into this campaign. Make a long story short. I went back the next day. It was an experience, bragging about it. I was working in athlete's foot at Woodbridge Mall. My phone rings. Yes, uh, can I speak to Lewis, please? I answered, I answered you know, the phone, speaking. You know, well, you, know you went to an open call. Uh, we just want to let you know that you, you booked a role. Um, you're a very good 
um, hand over foot better than everybody there. And uh, we're shooting in the, at Kaufman Studios in Astoria, Queens. I hung up the phone thinking it's my friend, like trying to pull a prank. The phone rings again. I, I'm sorry, we must've got disconnected. So I'm sitting there like, is this for real? They gave me the opportunity. I said, hold on for a minute. I asked my boss, my boss who owned the sneaker store was Bruce at the time. Hey Bruce, can I take the day off? Well, Lewis, you know, it's a weekend coming up. We really need you. I quit on the spot. <laughs> Two days later, I'm in Astoria, Queens, Kaufman Studios. Um, and uh, man, Paul Hunter directed it, choreographed by Savion Glover. Ja Rule was supposed to be in there, but I, I think he couldn't get his verses down. It was an 18-hour day. Baron Davis, Vince Carter, Jason Williams, Shamika Holtzclaw, Cheryl Swoops, you name it, was in this gym to try to do this campaign. All right, everybody has a turn, dribbling. They're like, just pass the ball, grab it, do a trick, and pass it back. All right, I get there, don't pass it. Just pass it to Lewis, and then Lewis, pass it back, but stay in the middle, and just keep going. So I'm like, fuck. All right, so I'm doing all my stuff, and I'm like thinking about, all right, I've been here for a while, and just, just keep going. Not knowing they had a vision already for me to be in the solo ad. They must have saw something in me that, that they, they, they had a vision, and yeah. They knew that I was going to be in the solo commercial. I'm just thinking, like, why am I showboating at NBA players? Let them do their thing. I want to watch them. Anyway, that was to make that connection, that man. Yeah. Pistol Pete, uh, Pistol Pete was there. Uh, uh, Pee Wee Kirkland came up to my dad. My dad came with me. Y'all, I've been doing this for, for many, many years. I've never seen somebody uh, handle the ball like your son. So it was good to really see legends come to my dad and congratulate him because – Hey, at least I could tell him that, Dad, at least all the screen doors I was breaking, shooting those broke jump shots paid off. So a month later, I'm driving. This is now the NBA Finals playoffs when the Lakers played the Sixers. When Allen Iverson stopped, stepped, stepped over, over Tyrone. Yeah. Right. That was during the NBA Finals. All of a sudden, future. Um, uh, Malloy, you know, the street baller from, from, from New York, called me. He's like, yo, did you watch the commercial roll over the TV? And you got one by yourself. So I went home, turned on the TV, and it was all she wrote, man. Every time out, um, I, I was on television. It became the biggest commercial of all time. Front page of Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, Adidas. Every sneaker company was calling my parents' phone. I had scripts. I had uh, Calvin Klein asking me to do stuff. Madonna <laughs> even asked me to be in a video. But I, I didn't want to be an actor or a model. I was like, I just want to hoop. So I turned down Madonna's commercial, her video shoot, not thinking long-term. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? Cause I was like, no, nah, I'm just a hooper. I don't want to look like a model. So make a long story short, me and my dad sat down and talked and I said, you know, do we go with and one? Cause we're the only ones doing it. Or do we present it to Nike and said, listen, I know you guys don't, don't sign non-professional athletes, but we have Adidas, we have Reebok, we have and one knocking at a door. Long and behold, Nike gave me an opportunity, signed me to a multi-year deal, um, and I became the first athlete to ever sign with Nike at 18 years old that didn't play professional basketball. The only other athlete they signed that was, was a month older than me because I was the youngest was uh, Manu Ginobili when they went to Argentina signing. <laughs> so uh, that's the kind of caliber we were in. And, um, man, a dozen commercials later, traveled the world, had the opportunity to play with the Harlem Wizards and – the, the, the Harlem Globetrotters went to their training camp, played a PBL, some, some semi-pro professional ball, went overseas. And I said, okay, well, what's the next chapter? I'm not going to go to the NBA. I'm already 
considered like quote unquote the best ball handler, but more in an entertaining aspect. So I was like, if this is entertaining, well, I enjoy in front of the camera because that's kind of where I started making commercials. Let me see what's the next chapter. Well, the next chapter is film, TV. So I started off, you know, doing a couple, couple of commercials. I think I did a, a Gatorade commercial with Spike Lee. But again, I'm back in New York City grind, sitting on metal fold-out chairs, auditioning. Nobody cares. They knew you from the commercial. Oh, that's a yeah. kid from the commercial, but it's not going to give you the right away. Yeah. So I just put my heart, you know, I put my, my, my head back down and just got back to the grind. It humbled me a lot. Um, but make a long story short, um, I think in 2007, I did an NBA halftime show. And Neil Jordan was directing a new movie with Jodie Foster called The Brave One um, with Suzanne Downey, Robert Downey Jr.'s wife who was one of the executive producers and asked me if I wanted to come and audition. So I auditioned, landed the role. First movie I landed was number one in the box office. That nice. rolled into Fast and Furious, 21 Jump Street. And now I'm 62 movies in. And I look back and say, yes, to your question, you got into the two toughest industries, but how did I transition? Well, I just auditioned like everybody else, but most people had film school, NYU backing, I didn't. So I had to use my resume to the clout that I already had established. Basketball, who doesn't like sports? Every director, every producer loves basketball. So it gave me an opportunity because I was kind of stepping away from the basketball sector. And I didn't want to be, you know, a Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, in blue chip, you know what I mean? I wanted to be like a real legit actor. So I had to kind of, you know, take away from one to focus on the other. So that's kind of how I transitioned. But I say all that to say is whatever people want to do in life, bro, um, use whatever you have as your own resume to push you through. You know what I mean? Even if you're not a graduate at one of the best film schools, whatever you have, you know, use that to your advantage and you just got to hustle. You know, it's the same thing that like Gary Vee preaches. Yeah, man. So like, just so everybody knows that commercial, I know everybody's trying to wonder what commercial that was. Cause I was sitting home during those times. I'm like, yeah, this is the coolest commercial I've ever seen. Just for the simple fact that they, the commercial that Lewis was in was a commercial where they're dribbling to a beat and they're passing the ball back and forth, doing a trick. Look it up. You look it up on YouTube. It's probably got to be one of the most successful campaigns that Nike's ever run outside yeah. of maybe something that Jordan did or something like that that was, you know, special to Jordan because it's Michael Jordan. But, like, for you to be there and be in that spot, like a lot of people say, you know, oh, you know, to me a lot of times, oh, you were lucky. You have to be in that spot. You got to put yourself in that situation to have that opportunity. And you seem to always put yourself into situations that you have that opportunity. And I, I've met you a couple of times. We've spoken right. a lot. And you're always the same dude. You're not trying right. to be somebody else. And I right. think that's what's authentic. So that's what people realize in you that whatever you get from Lewis is Lewis. Right. So if you want that Lewis look and feel, you can call Lewis and you're going to get that every time. You're not right. going to get somebody who's playing a different role or being fake. You're getting an authentic dude. And for acting, like to get authenticity into your movie or your commercial, you can't get that NYU kid to give you that because he wasn't on, you know, the streets of Elizabeth, New Jersey. And same right. thing with me, like I'm authentic, I'm real, and you're the same way. And that's why I think you've been so successful. And I know you, there's no fear in your heart, man. Right. So, like, if you come from a certain background or been through certain situations, rolling up to an audition with Vince Carter by your side or into a commercial, you're like, All right, I got this, man. What, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, right. I, I dribble the ball off my leg real quick. 
no right. big deal. I'll pick it up. So that's what's right. kind of made you who you are, man. And I give a lot of respect to that. And that transition that you made, you made it effortlessly, seamlessly, and you continue to grow and grow and grow. And what you've touched for the most part has always been authentic and it matured because it was real. And whoever stood behind your brand will be loyal to you because you're loyal to yourself. So that's, that's huge, man. No, man, absolutely. I think you nailed it. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, uh, society kind of struggles with um, just being authentic, being organic. And I, and I feel, you know, especially now with social media being at a platform pinnacle that it is now, because, you know, back when I was in my Nike days, we didn't have social media. Nope. Everything was word of mouth. It was uh, published magazines like Slam and Dime and all those. Man like we don't now it's like everybody has the opportunity to have millions of eyeballs at their fingertips yeah. from a branding no standpoint or whatever, but you can't cheat your customer. You can't cheat, cheat your audience. They know what's authentic and what's real. And if you yeah. come at them real, they're going to respect you because yeah. it's real. And all I'm trying to do is inspire others because man, listen, if I got out, anybody could get out because there's nothing more. Like I wasn't jumping from the free throw line. I wasn't a high school all American. I just used the niche and I was, I was substantially better than most at dribbling. So, and I had opportunities, right? Yeah. Uh, serendipity, right? When luck meets opportunity. Yeah. So I, I, took it, I took advantage of it. So not everybody's getting those opportunities. And I understand the frustration, even from an actor standpoint, people have so much years of experience and never break out. But once you have a little bit of luck and you have that opportunity, that's your time. You have to capitalize. 100%, 100%, man. And you know, with, with your situation and what you've done, man, it's, it's, I think at the point it is now, you broke out when you weren't supposed to break out, like in right. those 90s and 2000s. You weren't supposed to break out of that system because you would, you would need a ticket, but you made your own ticket. Nowadays, people have that ticket, but I think what they do is they look at the numbers and they stop themselves before they get to that next level. Like, oh, only 10 people like my video. Only 50 people like my image or whatever the case may be. Oh, you know, Lewis's post got a thousand views or a million views. Yeah. I, I'm never going to catch up to them. So they stop themselves when they, there is no ceiling. There's no door to open. You can open your own shit right now because you have access to that social media. And it's, it's funny to me to certain people who see it. Like, you know, when I started off this podcast, so many errors. I didn't want to do this. I never had a passion to do this. But the right. opportunity presented it, and I started doing it. And my, right. if you go back to my first podcast, say terrible. It was completely right. terrible. You know, but you first just time I've been on video, terrible. Right. Like I looked like a zombie staring into the wall. But right. you got to go through it, and you got to push through, man. Absolutely, man. It's it's being resilient, right? Being adversity, but at at the same token, like it's not about okay. Would I rather have fifty thousand views on one post or eleven? but five out of those 11 are going to repost it or be inspired by and show that to maybe one other person that might have, you know, uh, uh, a fan base of a million. It's just grassroots level, man. Every, yeah. every eyeball, every audience is an opportunity. It doesn't matter about the numbers. It matters. What are you doing with the, with the people that you are inspiring and how can that transition? It only takes one opportunity. So a hundred million views, it's going to take one opportunity for you to break out into music, into film, into doing your own podcast, whatever you want to do. You just have to be resilient. I mean, listen, for every movie I booked, I can't lie to you. I probably got denied, realistically, probably 60 times 
to everyone I book. But it's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not good. It's just yeah. for that particular role, the director saw a different vision. And yeah. I, I had to learn with that because I suffered with, you know, again, 18 years old, my first hotel was Ritz-Carlton, picked up in limousines, first class. I'm at the hotels with Michael Jackson, meeting every celebrity you could think of. Uh, Jay-Z at the MTV Music Awards. I was at the highlight because I broke out at its pinnacle with Nike. But then things get older. Our society moves faster, not to mention New York City. So as, as time progressed, I was like, man, I feel myself like, you know, um, you almost feel alienated because you don't think that people are noticing you just from the Nike ads. And you feel like, what is my worth and my value? So I struggled with that until I said to myself, and I had to come to listen, patience was the hardest thing for me to get over. But if I put my best foot forward and my effort, it's out of my hands now. Yeah. You know, many people leave, go to an audition that they leave, man, I hope I get it, I hope I get it, I hope I get it. If you don't, you know you did the best you could. Doesn't yeah. mean you're not good enough. It's just that maybe the director wanted somebody with a scar on his face or, or mine are kind of more of the villain roles. Maybe they want somebody more aged and older. You can't get upset. Your time will come. As long as you keep staying in front of the casting directors, in front of the um, uh, investors, whatever you're trying to achieve, keep your name relevant. Things are going to happen. And again, it's all about organic and authenticity. So people see that. Yeah, I think you get that, the same kind of, the level of competition that you have and the way you approach things, I think it's from being an athlete. You know, as an athlete, like I forgot who asked the other day, like I think I saw Chris Paul and they were talking about like getting crossed over. Everybody's been crossed over. You know, if you, right. if you played in a league enough, you've been crossed over. And in right. baseball, to be a Hall of Famer, hit 300. That means you failed seven out of 10 times, you know? And you're a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, you're, you're a, a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. And then with Jordan, you know, he says, you know, how many shots did he take? And he actually missed. But these are the big ones that he hit, but you got to be ready to take those shots. So same thing right. with acting, same thing with going on job interviews, connecting with people, finding a loved one. Like if right. you failed on 10 dates, you're going to be like, yo, I'm done dating. I'm not, I can't find anybody right now. So it's just that right. persistence and that ability to, to take the feet to just brush them off. You know, like I think right. that's something you learn at an early age just to brush them off and rebuild. And you have to reestablish and rebuild almost every day, every year. Cause if yeah. not, you're getting left in the past. Like right now I feel like I'm losing because you're burning calories and I'm sitting on the couch. So like I, you're inspiring me to go do a workout afterwards. Like you got to just keep but, pushing and but, pushing. But, but yeah, absolutely. We push each other because while I'm doing this, I could be watching for the 50th time, the last dance repeat. Right. But yeah. as opposed to doing that, I'm engaging with you, your, your fan base, your media, and hopefully this can inspire someone else. So I feel like, again, it's about knocking two birds with one stone, taking one opportunity and, and, and making it the most out of it. Here's one opportunity. We met a while ago. I'm on the bike while I originally will be on the bike. But now this opportunity presented myself, and I'm here with you, and we're, we're having a great, great discussion, a great conversation about organic, organic shit. Yeah. You know, it's no sugarcoat, but it's the same thing with anything else. I took one opportunity with Nike, and then I just, I spread it. I try to, lack of better words, finesse. Yeah. Try to make it bigger than what it is, because you got to be your biggest fan. Yeah. If you don't believe in yourself, man, who's going to believe in you? You have to. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's a difference between being arrogant and selling yourself. Yeah. Like, letting, letting everyone know that you could produce, you could perform, and your, your resilience speaks louder than words one thing i learned from uh did you watch the kobe documentary the muse documentary um i didn't i i, I haven't i haven't you you gotta watch it because that's one thing so like growing up i was an mj fan 
Um, and, you know, that was more of my time, and I'm loving this last dance stuff right now. And then when Comey came around, I saw him more as that cockiness and that arrogance. And then when I saw – and, you know, media portrays people a certain way because they're the media, and that's their job to do what they got to do. But when I watched that documentary, I totally flipped my script 360 and realized that that cockiness on the floor was just yeah. his tenacity and that competitiveness yeah. in him. And he was actually the best dude around, but nobody really got to see that because of media. But that documentary really opened up how hard this dude worked. Like, you're given God-given talent, but right. he outworked everybody in that league forever even when he was up on top like a yeah. young kid like you at 18 said oh i hit my nike commercial i just hit the lottery i can go back and get any girl i want right now i right. can just sit back on my money but no you you manifested the next move and the next move and the next move and that's why you're chilling now where you have real opportunities you're running your own company you've branched out and crossed over into so much more just from that one opportunity where a lot of people like Look at athletes. A lot of athletes, that first year in their league, they get that check, and then they cash out on themselves, man. They don't really yeah. pursue anything. You got that first check. You said, wow, look what's around me now. Let me make something of it. And a lot of people, even when they're given that opportunity, don't make the second and third and fourth for you to be in 60 movies, for you to be in Fast and Furious. And then also from an entrepreneurial stance, you're doing your thing there too, man. So – I give you a lot of credit for everything you do. You stayed authentic. You're still a family man. You, yeah. You've been on the, the cutting edge of every industry. And listen, I'm just waiting for the time that we could collaborate. But I want to understand one thing. So this Win Daily brand, this Win Daily hat that I got on, it's not just fantasy sports. It's not just sports betting. The reason why you're on and everybody else is on, I want to try to inspire people. And you got a great story. And I want to blend it with everybody else's story. What do you do? So, like, this win daily mindset, this lifestyle, what is this that you've done to kind of keep you going every day to make sure that you're having these victories over and over and over again? Well, it's, it's, it's a very simple algorithm for me, man. Tomorrow's never promised. And I don't want to finish. Everybody's writing their own book, right? I don't want my book to end and knowing one day when I'm extremely old and don't have the per se health to move around um, and regret not, not doing things that I feel like I should have achieved or, or tried, you know, whether it's trying a streetwear clothing brand or, 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 or a podcast or even writing. I had this vision for writing and I was like, you know what, my, my best time in like my space uh, for thinking is usually when I'm flying. When I'm flying to different places, I, you know, I kind of tone out, put some music on, stare out the window, and I just think. And I was like, well, this is a perfect time where I can start getting creative in writing. So, you know, I, I got inspired by writing like children's books. Um, because, you know, I grew up heavy, like a little chubby. I used to get picked on in school. Always like kind of quick and athletic, but still the chunky kid always gets, you know, you get jokes. But, you know, I wanted to kind of change that narrative. And, you know, for almost 20 years now, you know, vegan lifestyle and working out probably obsessively, but it's a lot of things date back into like a childhood. But, you know, what motivates me and pushes me is just that, you know, my goal is, my personal goal, obviously, is to star my own feature film. 
but that doesn't come. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, Morgan Freeman only got his rule break at what, 53, 54? Damn. You know, you <laughs> now, he's a, now he's a star in everything, man. <laughs> you got to think Hollywood is like a quote unquote old man sport. It's like golf, right? Yeah. It's really like golf. Like most of your leads are in their late 40s and 50s for an exception of one or two that are extremely young. I mean, you, yeah. talent, you can't, you, you can't hide talent. But uh, most male leads are older. Most female leads are younger. So within time, me putting in the work, I'm going to get the opportunities. Like, um, you know, somebody that I look up to and, men, and, and is a mentor is uh, like a John Travolta or even Danny Trejo. He has such a successful career being the Mexican bad guy and machete, et cetera, et cetera. He, already, he developed his brand. So what motivates me is just to keep pushing, meeting new directors, just trying to put your work forward. You know, before you know it, you know, your coins add up. And more importantly than the money is opportunities to make more or join different ventures. Yep. 100%. You know, so. See, like what you've done well too, man. Like you see the tattoos, you see right. the street ball. And then for somebody to go over and write a children's book, man, it's yeah. like you've touched it all. Whatever you want to do, whether pass or fail, whether you made this much amount of money or this amount of much money, you're doing it because Lou wants to do it. And I think no matter what, at the end of the day, you did it. And to yourself, it's been a success. And it pushes you over and it gives you that energy and that passion to say, who the hell else was a Nike commercial, you know, top leading guy? been doing movies with Travolta, Vin Diesel, and then also right. ran a, uh, wrote a children's book. It's like to do all that in one person in one lifetime, you're just constantly pushing the envelope. And I think I just heard you say you're also a vegan too. Yeah. Uh, so My I mean, wife's a vegan, vegan, so you guys have something in common, man. I've been trying. Listen, man, yeah. I've, been, I've been on the 80% like vegetarian lifestyle right now. That's, That's good. So I'm getting there, but this, this quarantine is – F me up, it's, man. Like it's I tough this because quarantine, this quarantine it's, it's is easier to get. Everybody. It's easier to get meat and store it in the refrigerator, freezer than fresh than produce, produce right now. Like I actually miss my juices and all the healthy stuff I was eating right now. I've been snacking more, and that's the one thing that's been negatively impacted by this quarantine. Everything else has been a positive because well, you, you I've had time do, with like, my daughter. And you, stuff. you just got you just got to get more creative. Like you can do um, avocado sandwiches. You can do cucumber sandwiches. You can do. Uh, I'm a big fan of the avocado toast. Whoever decided to invent that after like a hundred years of avocados being on this world to invent Shout that. Out to them. Shout out to them. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, even like, you know, a chickpea salads, there's so many cool things you can do as being a vegan. Then there's also, you know, shit. Morningstar has a lot of soy based. Yeah. You don't have uh, to tell me, man. My, my wife's got, my wife's got them all, way, man. There's a, there's I'll a way. I'll pass some recipes over to you and you can pass them over please, to me. Please, <laughs> please. I'm, I'm, if everybody knows out there, I am not no, uh, Mario Carbone from Carbone. I am not a chef. I'm microwave everything. I'm a horrible cook. I could probably scramble an egg and probably uh, when I, I probably made peanut butter and jelly if I if I cut the bread right. So I'm not the best cook. But this has allowed me the time to like you know I've learned for me like listen growing up European a little olive oil, <laughs> uh, garlic and black pepper and got got it and parsley makes everything taste good. <laughs> You're right, man. You're right, man. So let me ask you a couple more questions before I let you go, man. See how, see how long I can keep you on this bike moving. Oh, man. You, I'll be here all day. You don't run out of battery. <laughs> uh, what's next, man? What, what is really next for you? Like, you've done so much. What are your goals coming out of this quarantine? Like, a lot of people, 
this is the messed up part about this quarantine. Like, I've spoken to a lot of people. Like, people like you, nothing's changed, man. You're just pushing harder, faster. Um, and I know you're cooking up some stuff right now. This time alone, you're just probably, like, waiting to break out. I can see it in your face. I don't even need to talk to you. And I know you got, like, ten ideas that you're all in on right now. But a lot of other people, they're, like, depressed. They're upset. They're, like – which I don't get. Like – I'm not saying they're wrong for feeling that way, but I feel like right now you hit the pause button. Everybody has an opportunity to do what they wanted to do and nobody really interfering right now. No yeah. excuses right now. What are you going to do coming out of this quarantine and what's next for you, man? You've done so much. What is, what is next for you, bro? I, I think next I'm taking this time. And it's a, that's a very good point. How people are kind of, you know, you can see the, the aggressive, entrepreneurial minds are using this time as you know beneficial beneficial to, to what they're doing and others and you know you really can't blame it in terms of a certain sex it's not everybody's desire to be a business owner right yep. there's certain people that are just content we're working for somebody and that's completely fine because i own businesses and guess what my employees are more important than me because if they're not happy my business doesn't operate so yep. it's a team effort and you have to you have to treat everything as a team effort however I'm always busy anyway, because I have a very, I'm very disciplined and dedicated to whatever I do, but I'm also a little obsessed. To be great, you have to be obsessed with something. So I run the stationary bike three hours every single day, seven days a week. So you gotta think, if I'm getting up nine, 10 o'clock, if I'm sleeping late, cause I go to bed late because there's nothing else to do but to watch old Netflix stuff that I've watched probably 38 times. So let's just say hypothetically a 10 o'clock day, I'm on this bike till about 1.30, shower, then I'm in my sauna for 30 minutes doing, you know, an hour worth of stomach exercises, some push-ups. I'm almost ready for dinner, <laughs> you know, have a little time with my daughter. But in the process, I'm creating different things. So, you know, I got a couple of films that, which is the most perplexing thing now, because Hollywood, you know, Fast and Furious, not that I was going to be in this next one, but they pushed it back another calendar year. So we're trying to figure out what I've been hearing is, how are they still trying to practice? Because even if this quarantine is lifted, society's trying to build a new way of still um, exercising social distancing in, in, in certain measurements. So for instance, if there's a cast and crew on a film, how do we isolate them and protect them from outside getting the virus and spreading it and then messing up the film that's probably a hundred and something million dollar budget or $10 million? Every, every calendar day is accounted for. Yeah, a lot of money, man. So trying to isolate. They're even talking about, I think I talked to uh, one of these other producers that heard from Screen Actors Guild, which is the union, that they're trying to even see if they could make it to a three-shot minimum. I mean, maximum, which is impossible. So every after three shot takes, you have to move on to your next scene. How is that going to ever fly? So it's unpredictable. But I'm still reading for some directors. I actually have a three o'clock call coming up with another director. But... All I'm doing now is reaching out, which everybody should do. Reach out to your colleagues. Reach out to your friends. Stay active. See what's going on. And use this time. I'm using this time well because this is, how, this is my perspective, and maybe this could be helpful for others. While we're all on pause, you can catch up. So, for instance, yep. pilot season is from January to March. Trying to get into L.A. meetings is impossible to get even a call from an agent during pilot season. They email you when they need you because it's extremely important. Because uh, this is when they pull the new pilots out for the new upcoming season TV show. So they're casting. They're trying to find directors and writers. It's a mess. It's the busiest time of the year. But now that this is on pause, you get to play catch up. Whether developing a new sizzle reel, 
uh, uh, revamping your website, trying to make those phone calls that they didn't pick up before, they're picking up now because they're bored. You use that as a leverage. Everything has to be used as a beneficial leverage. So I'm still creating, still trying to move forward with film, but I'm more, I think I'm more excited about new business opportunities for longevity. Not sure what I'm interested in. I mean, I got to tell you, last year I was was interested in opening up my own restaurant over here in in Chatham, New Jersey. And, um, you know, I'm a, a, a believer in Christ. I mean, it doesn't matter what religion somebody is, but I practice Catholicism. And, um, you know, I believe in, I believe in my, my, my God, and whoever your, your energy is, not everybody, they've had their own beliefs and that's completely fine. It's the law of the universe. If you're good to life, life will reward you. Yep. It's simple algorithm. And I'm glad I did it. I mean, it, it, it hurt me in a while because, you know, permits, et cetera, there's a lot of elements in everything and it's a new sector, but had I opened it, not being prepared and this COVID-19, I would crush. be in a bad situation. Yeah, crush. Yeah. And, but, and you, you're right, though, man, that so your mindset is the same thing with me, man. I We hit the pause button, and I told my crew right away. It was no thought in my mind. I'm like, yo, this is – is everybody safe? Everybody's family safe? Because we have people in New York. I'm in New York. I got people in Jersey. got people over the country. Everybody's safe? Yeah, we're all good. So I'm like, listen, this is the best opportunity for us ever. We weren't number right. one in what we were doing. But wow. we weren't number 100 either. We were in that spot that – these two months now, I can catch up. And then when we come back to real life, I'm on the same level as everybody else because we're putting that work in. And then what you said, listen, man, we probably in New York, New Jersey, we probably have another three weeks of this minimum at this point, maybe even another month of this. Yeah. I've been contacting everybody just to talk, man. Worst case scenario, worst case, they they say, no, man, I can't do it. I'm too busy. All right, if you're too busy, I understand. Or they don't respond at all. But there's been so many people that have been so open to responding, like you and, and everybody else I've been talking to, that the juices are flowing with this entrepreneurial mindset right now. And you yeah. have a huge opportunity to, to basically plan your next three steps coming out of this because everybody's on pause. Some people are playing the Netflix and chill game. And some people like me and you are building to figure out what the next move is. It doesn't have to be monetarily. It doesn't have to be right. like, all right. We're going to plan this big scheme and we're going to make millions of dollars. It doesn't have to be like that. It can just be like, you know what? I realized from being home, I'm really happy. And I don't yeah. need the fancy car no more. or I don't right. need the fancy clothes no more. I can, I can live two levels below where I was living before. And I can spend this time with my family and I'm actually a happier person. So yes. there's like different ways to just, if you think and you stay positive and you keep that, that head strong, you can figure out whatever it is that, because, you know, monetary rewards, you've had them, I've had them. They don't last so long, man. They, they don't. Really they don't. And uh, it's only not one way mention, to come. It's not, coming, not you to come mention, back down. Not to mention we're in uh, arguably one of the most expensive places to live. So the yeah. cost of living <laughs> yeah, is don't not a uh, shit. <laughs> it really don't, no, man. But absolutely. But the opportunities, the connections you have, that's way more important. Your family, your belief, your energy. If that stays positive, like you were saying, that universe, that universe is so strong, man. If you're a receptor of that energy, yeah. you will get good things. If you're always walking around like, yo, this sucks, man. This is terrible. I can't break out. I can't do this. I can't do that. Chances are you're missed the opportunities in front of you just don't you don't you don't capture them. You don't seize them, man. Right. Yeah. You just live your life as a Debbie Downer. No, absolutely. But you know, I'm still moving forward with efforts and uh 
and 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 filming got a couple coming up um that we're talking to a couple of directors which we're trying to shoot for hopefully um the beginning of the summer i got a couple of things in post-production i also i think i mentioned to you before we're still trying using this time where everybody's quarantined now we store it up again with the soul searchers a tv series i've created um about the impact in sneakers and now been getting so much positive feedback because now you know these quibbies and amazon primes and hulus and netflix they're desperate need of content because yep. people are sitting home produce, yeah. i think there's like 150 million more subscribers for netflix i think yeah. uh, on a monthly basis so so the content now is just key if you can create so and i remember we mentioned that before and also um you know i, I you know I, I made the point before but i think i'm gonna you know i love streetwear i love fashion but i was thinking about starting or i'm or working with a couple of designers my uh a champagne victory uh, streetwear clothing collection um, okay. and uh, something that I, I'm really excited about um, but it's still in the works is uh, my own uh, Cabernet blend so there you go bro. create my Break own, my own wine. Yeah. children's books Nike commercials fast and furious yeah. and your own wine man why not I got one more that. question for you man it just popped into my head right now we're freestyle sure. right now you mentioned a couple of my favorite movies yeah above the rim yes. blue chips I love sports movies, and I'm so sick. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably get trolled on social media, but I'm so sick of another Avengers movie, another hero movie, all this kind of stuff where you know the ending and that you know everything's gonna transpire. I love those '80s and '90s sports movies. Why have they gone? Can you bring one back? Can you bring a? I don't want to see Uncle Drew. I want a real story. Like I Major League. Love that movie. Above the Rim, Blue Chips, you know, they're, any given Sunday. Like, what happened, the program, like, all these movies that we grew up on, those 80s and right. 90s sports movies that I thought were classics. Like, anytime these movies I just mentioned are on TV, I got to watch them. Right. I got to watch them. Why did that business just die off? You know, why are there no good sports movies? Original movies, even like Field of Dreams, I can go on for days, but they just stop. And they're probably not as big budget as these crazy superhero movies. Produce us a good basketball movie. You know, it's funny you good said that. Good baseball movie. Come on, man. It, I need, it, I'll help. Said, I'll, I'll invest. Yo, it's funny you said that because uh, I worked on LA Finest with uh, Gabrielle Union, Jessica Alba, and Dwayne Martin, who starred in Above the Rim. So we had conversations before, but my passion, what I'm trying to get done is I would love to recreate Above the Rim. White man can't jump. Like I always say to myself, how did they not make a second version of White Man Can't Jump? Like that's another one of my favorite movies. Like there's so much. Like people love sports. Someone on the last the last podcast I was on, the guy said he's a VC in sports film, sports betting, esports, and anything to do with sports. He's like the reason why is because everybody either loves playing sports, mm-hmm. they love watching sports. Or they want to turn their son or daughter into the next LeBron. So right. Everybody has that tie to sports. Right. Why the movies industry cut that off from us? And, and sports movies, like when I watch Iron Man, I don't get out of there like, yo, I'm so inspired to go take down an enemy. But when I watch Rocky or when I watch one of these movies or Rudy, I go do push-ups, man. Like I get inspired and motivational. They, that's a very great good point. stories that's, around there. That's, like, that's a, that's a very the world point. needs that right now, man. So, yeah. like, I'll help you put it together, man. Whatever it yeah. is, man. This is a freestyle. That's what they talk about. Nah, the, yeah, the, that's great. Cuff, man. And you don't need, like, headline actors. Like, you above don't. the rim, 
there's, there's, there were a couple, like, I would say good actors in it. But at the end of the day, these are all lower level actors. I guess Tupac yeah. at the time was like right. the, the main highlight oh, of that movie. Not, but what you're trying to say is there's not going to be a price tag like The Rock. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nobody's going to ask for 20 million a movie. Yeah, I, agree. I don't want I The think... Rock in that movie. I want some kid from Brooklyn in yeah. that movie, you know, and, and nobody needs to know him. And you got to be an authentic, you know, ball player and have a right storyline about it, you know. There's so many good ideas around sports. I just don't understand why, boom, it just cut off. Yeah, yeah. Now that's something to talk about. I, I completely agree. And um, some of the feedback I've been getting from some of the, you know, directors like, you know, Chuck Russell that I work with on I Am Wrath who did Nightmare on Elm Street, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping one day, like that would be like one of my things that I'm trying to pursue is I want to play a Freddy Krueger, but do it the right way. <laughs> Not to remake like, how Michael Bay did it with the Freddy versus Jason and these remakes. The way they did Freddy was so foul in that film. Like I just want a real genuine, like a uh, dream warrior type of nightmare on Elm Street. So, um, but you know, a lot of directors and producers have been saying it's what Hollywood's calling for. So what it, what it is, it's just, it's a lot of, um, uh, but you never, but you never, you never stayed in that box, right? You've always no, done your no. thing. So let's do it, man. Like, Figure any way I, I can help to. out, do it. Like yeah, I think, now let's do it. Don't, don't listen to Hollywood right now. There's so many things like let's go straight to Netflix. Whatever yeah. it takes, let's go lower budget. Let's put together a good story around sports because there's so many stories you never hear, man. It's there's yeah. You probably know a thousand of them right now that you can of course that you can tap into. And you know these athletes. You know there's a lot of athletes who didn't make it, man. That well, there you go. Yeah. All your all your viewers got it first. You know we're gonna be producing the next. Uh, sports film so in uh in eight to 15 months if they see something on tv they remember where they heard it first so <laughs> let's do it here man. we go let's cook let's it. do it man i'll help out as much as possible man i, I appreciate the time you spent you inspired me to hop on a treadmill at least after I'm Yo, this, this show man. absolutely bro absolutely and uh and i love what you're doing you know i've been a fan of a fan of the wind daily brand and uh you know for all the viewers out there watching uh maybe certain you know upcoming they're going to see a lot of a lot of awesome shit that we've been stirring up so it's going to be exciting for everybody involved in the win daily so in 2020 man you got my word man we're going to do something together we're going to work on a project together whether small big it's wine it's children's book it's basketball it's movies right you're you're so versatile i'm versatile i think that's why we're winners too man we can do yeah. a lot of different things i can you can fall into a room with millionaires and still hold your own you can go down to a basketball court. And I know you can hold your own. And similar right. to me, man, that's why we get along, man. We can do a lot of different things, and we don't fit one mold. And sometimes people are surprised of who we are on the inside, you know, after, start, after they start talking to us. So it's huge, man. Right. I appreciate your time, man. Be no, safe in you. New Jersey. Thank you. Hopefully when we get together. I don't know when I'm ready for the next Nick game. I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for those, those big arenas yet, but we'll go get some dinner or some shit soon, man. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you so All much right. for the time. All right. Later, brother. <laughs>